So you know what I was doing? I was uh, going kind of through my closet last night, came across an ECW championship belt authentic that I got probably what? 10, they 15 even years make, ago. They even make that? They did 10, 15 years ago. I think they probably still do, but I got it as like a ad trade. I used to have a newsletter, but I got it. Wait, let me guess. It's made out of like uh... – it's made of like tin foil and like like a baking sheet, probably. No, right? no, no. It's the one when they remade the belt and it had like the blue kind of globe on it. It's a legit. It's like before I think right before ECW sold to WWE. It's oh, that when title. they had like the T the TNN TV deal and they had to water down their product and everyone had to jump ship and it was basically like Mikey Whipwreck main event. Yeah, like when they cleaned up their belt. So the last ECW title, I think it's the same one they used in WWE when they had that title for a short period of time. But I think I need to display that somewhere. What would it take for you to wear that like grocery shopping? Like show up to a Publix with that thing on. No, you know, no, no other memorabilia on you, but just walk in confidently wearing that. I think I would do it for very little. I don't know that. I mean, it's embarrassing, but as long as it wasn't my Publix, the one I go to weekly, I think I could do that. Cause I don't, you know, I love the fandom of adults these days, but there's dudes who wear like three belts to a wrestling show, like th- like one around the waist and two around the shoulders. And I-, I could guess by looking at them, they might even have like spouses and jobs and stuff. You know what? I saw a really cool story on, I think it was Reddit coming out of the UK shows where this kid was like infatuated with a, a real authentic belt that some guy had on there. It's not called the subway there or whatever it's called. And this older guy, I guess he was in his forties or whatever, took the belt off, gave it to the kid. You were talking like a four or $500 belt, gave it to the kid. And like the kid, it made the kid's day. So I saw that story. I thought that was really cool. Uh, if I'm wearing a belt in public, it's the white IC title or, or nothing else. All right. Nothing else. I don't think I could rock the white IC title. I don't have. The, I, gotta I don't have the style the lineage, for that. All right, the Savage, the Steamboat, the the uh, the Tito Santana. Basically, that lineage kind of died when Honky Man, Tonk Man took it over for a year. But before that, you know that belt that belt mattered, right? Oh, that, that I mean, the belt's the best. But I just I don't know that I could confidently rock it with, especially with the white leather. All right, enough about this. Let's get into the show. your seatbelts and get some of this in this corner with brian campbell wwe edition is back and ready to go to war no this isn't wcw bass at the beach 1996 but the invasion angle continues as is in this corner comes to do one thing and one thing only become your number one in the world of pro wrestling and the longest running episodic weekly podcast in your rotation how do we get there quite simple all you have to do is get a taste just a sample. Rub it on your gums if you have to of that performance enhancing audio. It's time to get juiced. The man with the plan, the Brian Campbell, is back with the two guys that help make the magic happen. In this corner, South Florida's Maharaja himself, Adam Silverstein. How is it, my friend? Hey now, doing great. We're still not hitting on that nickname though, I'll tell you. Uh, you know, week after week, we'll, we'll keep trying until it sticks. And in this corner across from me is a man who owes his body to the Simon system, the most passionate man in North America, Nick Costas. 
How 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 you feeling on the insides there, Nick? Well, first off, uh, I feel like I look great today. Like I looked in the mirror today, and I was like, you know, I look really. I didn't even put makeup on before I did video earlier, Bri. You and I have video later today. I'm not even going to wear makeup. I look good. I feel good. I will say that Maharaja for Adam. That's pretty bad. That's not some of your best work here. Adam is as white as it gets. Uh, <laughs> not exactly an Indian prince, uh, as that's what Maharaja actually means. I feel like a listener actually sent that to me after last week's podcast. So I feel like we could do better for Silverstein than the Maharaja, Brian. Yeah, that's a fair call out here. You know, we're, we're, we're working on it. We're, we're trying to get, get one that sticks. But, guys, we've been working on putting out great shows. The people have responded. They're getting out there. They're rating. They're reviewing. They're subscribing. They're telling us what they like and don't like. They're sliding into my DMs big time, big time. But let's let it be known that a week after WWE's London Calling produced about as bad as it gets in the calendar year in terms of a mail-in job for entertainment, WWE, from my opinion, was back this week, guys. Uh, At least as it pertained to Raw, back in a big way as we close in just days away from that SmackDown exclusive payback card on Sunday. Did Before we get into the main event, did was it an increase to you guys? Are you as fired up as me? Or, or you know, I don't want to speak for you. What's going on? Well, I thought it was definitely better. It would be hard to be worse, right? Like, they couldn't be worse than they were in London. But I think here's the issue, right? The Strowman news comes out. We'll get to that coming up here in, in a moment here. The Strowman news comes out on Monday. And I think that they did the best they could, right? The raw, raw creative with that curveball thrown in there. So, obviously, they're reshuffling the deck with the fatal five-way match. And they basically have to write a whole bunch of new storylines now with Strowman out for an extension. Extended period. Hey, let's just get into it, Nick, right? Right. Let's just get into the main event. Get right into it. Sure, yeah. So the main event, Braun Strowman. This sucks, man. And I'm bummed because I'm not just bummed for Strowman. I'm not just bummed for fans like me and and, and the two of you guys who love the product, who love professional wrestling. I'm kind of bummed for WWE because they've had such awful injury luck the last couple years here. And Strowman had been white hot. In my estimation, he had been the best thing on either Raw or SmackDown from before WrestleMania up until now. And losing him for this amount of time, I think, really hurts because we were all super excited for the possibility of more Braun Reigns, a possible Braun Brock Lesnar program. So this one really hurts. Like, WWE's not going to go out of business without Braun Strowman, obviously. They've uh, they've been able to, to deal with big-time injuries in the past and make it through and still have some successful and popular shows. But this sucks. Uh, I'm super bummed about the Braun you know- You know, they just can't win, and that's really what it is. You go back to 2016, and you remember the lead-up to WrestleMania 32. They lost, like, seven dudes, everyone. They decided to put Cesaro in the main event picture, shoulder injury. Rollins got hurt. It was one after another after another, and no matter what they did, they just couldn't win. And this year, you know, so far, not as bad. Obviously, Braun has been that kind of number one guy that they've really gone with, Um, you know, as the lead of Raw even with Reigns there. So it does suck for them, and it's disappointing. I was really, I think all three of us were really buying into Strowman, the Beast, um, going over Reigns, uh, you know, setting up another match, you know, kind of going down the line at Extreme Rules in, in June, uh, and then possibly seeing it continue either into SummerSlam or maybe Braun actually going over and facing Lesnar, or either there at Great Balls of Fire. So I think it's a disappointment overall for, for all three of us. Brian, I, I you feel the same way, right? Yeah, I wasn't as disappointed as you guys for a couple of different reasons. Like obviously, like he had been about? built so good, it, it sort of presses pause on the Reigns feud, which had been the best one from Raw. So I'm, you know, I'm disappointed for him to have to take a step aside. But I don't think it's it's. 
I'm I'm just reading the tea leaves. I'm trying to put the pieces together. I don't think it's as bad as they're saying. Sometimes WWE puts out real news that has certain elements of of, of kayfabe and storyline built into it. They're saying he's out six months. And if you notice in the pictures, it's that right elbow that he actually had surgery on, where it was the left elbow in a sling during the storyline portion when Ray when Ray, Roman Reigns attacked him in that match, banged his arm again in London against the the ring post and really went to town on his left arm. It was really the right elbow that had. Had been injured. It had been a lingering thing. Now, the day of that attack that was last Monday in London, you know, pro wrestling sites like Pro Wrestling Sheet were originally the ones that put out that report that said Strowman is going to need surgery. He's expected to miss one to two months at the most just to get some few things cleaned up. I don't know, obviously, the full validity of that report, but you know what this tells me, guys? It tells me this was an injury they needed to address and that six months, I mean, that would put him coming back at Survivor Series. I wonder if this is a little bit more of a minor procedure. We're going to see him back maybe in a surprise situation, maybe heading into SummerSlam. So while it's disappointing that, yes, you're you're pressing pause on, on Roman and Strowman, which it had been so good, I personally think WWE is at their best when they have to sort of scatter last minute and try to make things work when an injury gets in the way. Look, I point to Seth Rollins' injury at the end of 2015. It created that tournament in the fall. I thought there was some really good episodes of Raw that led up to that. There was some match that really meant something that wouldn't have been originally. And I think that was what I saw this week on Monday Night Raw, which was almost an electric episode of really good matches that had a, maybe they didn't have as much on the line. It wasn't a tournament, but you, you, they were forcing you to see really good matchup like Reigns versus Balor that really stood out above the whole card. And it was a result of having to scamper at the last minute. And I also, they won back a little bit of love for me. And tell me if I'm crazy here. But remember when You're I was crazy. so mad last week that they didn't didn't take that Bray Wyatt-Finn Balor feud that they teased two weeks ago. They just acted like it never happened. Now it makes sense because the injury to Braun, they knew they were going to have to address. So they're pressing pause on that because now they're reshuffling the deck. Roman now needs somebody to work with. So it's probably going to end up being either Wyatt or Balor who look like they'd be facing each other. And if that's what had to happen because of this injury... I'm going to step back and let WWE prove me wrong. I think they got something going here. Well, what are you on the, the WWE payroll? I mean, that was like the greatest 60 to 90 second spin zone I think I've ever heard of. You just basically said that the Rollins injury was good because it forced them to push other guys. And the Strowman injury is good because we got, you called an electric episode of Raw. First of all, I think that's, no, it wasn't. It was, it was decent. It was better than last week. It was certainly not electric. Like electric you reserve for something that was really good. This was not really good. And no, there's no universe in which losing Braun Strowman's good because he was the most entertaining part of the show. And look, you know, there was some decent in-ring action on Raw this week, and we'll get into the Fatal Five-Way coming up here, and they basically, what the hell else are they going to do? So you can't really kill them for their for the creative direction they went in, but this is a huge deal to lose him. And look, you're right. He's probably not going to be out six months. He'll probably come back before SummerSlam. The crowd will go nuts for it, but losing him definitely hurts. Like, I don't even think you can make an argument to the contrary. Well, here's my quick argument against that is, we kind of felt like we knew how it was going to end, like Roman was eventually going to go over. So Maybe. I almost like the idea that you're putting Braun back in the bullpen to heal, and now we don't actually know who's going to come out of this five-way to, you know, to, to work. So I think you, you now have, what, three to four weeks to build to that June 4th pay-per-view card, and you can do some things that's a little more wide open. And these multi-person matches in pay-per-view main events usually work out well. They're usually pretty exciting. I'm actually a little bit more excited about this star-studded five-way match then, then honestly, I would have been Roman Strowman, even though it's been so good. You know, I, where I will agree with Brian here is that 
sometimes injuries do You're open You're on the op- payroll too? No, no. Sometimes injuries do open opportunities. And when Balor went down in that Universal Championship match, the inaugural one with Seth Rollins, it allowed WWE to elevate Kevin Owens into a main event spot on the main roster way earlier than they had planned. He de- they definitely did not plan it. There was the good Triple H angle, the, which I called on, I think, Twitter, and it really blew up like – the best moment on Raw in years. I thought it was fantastic. Triple H interfering in that match. Owens getting the title, etc. So I, you guys are the kings of high No, no, no. So I, I, as I said at the beginning, you know, whether it's two months, whether it's six months, it doesn't really matter. Braun being out is bad for business. It's not what WWE wants. They had plans. The show is definitely going in a different direction. I think separate from that, if we're comparing this week's Raw to last week's Raw, given that oh, that Strowman was injured and they didn't have him as a tool, it, this week's Raw was really good. It wasn't great. It wasn't spectacular like Brian it was saying. It wasn't electric. It wasn't electric. It was electric. It, it, was had, not it electric. had energy, guys. No, Come no. On, it had no, energy. It, it wasn't electric, but what did it do? It advanced some new storylines. It was a little bit fresh because we didn't see Strowman, so we were seeing new things, and there were two really good quality matches previewing that Fatal Five way. Look, man, I'm a fan. And losing Braun Strowman, who is my current favorite act in the company, hurts me as a fan. Maybe it leads to good things. I think this fatal five-way match, Brian, I agree with you. The match is going to be good because all five guys can work. And the match is going to be good. And I have confidence that creative will pull it together here. But I'm talking as a fan here, as a lifelong fan of the product. Losing what one of my favorite, if not That's my fair. favorite performers does not make me feel good regardless of what happens. What I you- think it does address the problem I thought they had, which was too many main event guys at the moment. The title not being defended because Bro- uh, Brock Lesnar is, is taking his post-WrestleMania time off. Now you fix that problem by getting everyone involved. That might feel like a WWE spin job, but as a hardened fan who really was ready to throw in the towel last week for those two London shows, really was like, I don't know if I can do it. You know, three times, three, four, if you're a real fan, three, four times a year, you have those moments where you're like, I don't know if I can and keep putting in 12 hours of programming anymore because they're just not giving it back to me. Yeah, this week they gave it back to me. So I got to, I got to, you know, re- stay the company line and tell them they did a good job, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think, like I said, this match will be good. The fatal five way is going to be good. And I thought that they could have done worse on Monday night. But again, like I got to go with what I'm saying here with Strowman here being out. Um, I think it sucks. So, so now that we have this fatal five way, Brian, we're not doing predictions. We still got two weeks, but how would you book it right now? The first thought. Uh, my first thought is, uh, we've been talking a lot about, or I've been talking a lot about that Finn Balor is a guy they are putting so much into. We knew before his injury they were putting a lot into going over Roman in his first week on Raw. I think now that, that, that you do, uh, you have a chance to kind of reshuffle it. You, you set up for Finn going over. Finn versus uh, Brock Lesnar, and they've been teasing that a little bit more. Everyone's been saying Brock Lesnar's name, right, when they get a chance. They've, Finn's been saying it a little bit more than others. I'd go that direction. I mean, you talk about a big body in Brock against a smaller guy who can work like Finn. I just think it's going to be such – it's going to be perfect inside the ring, really good personalities to build up. I like him going out over the top there. So I think it comes down to either Finn, Roman, or Bray. I think the other two, Joe and Rollins, they have – a set one-on-one feud that they're going to be able to continue at least to great balls of fire, if not through SummerSlam. So for me, I agree it's Balor, and this is the reason why. It's a fatal five-way extreme rules match at extreme rules, no DQ. You know who we haven't seen on Raw? Gallows and Anderson. They haven't been on in two weeks. Maybe There's they're, they're not going to be. They're not doing the Bullet Club. I don't know. We haven't seen them. But like Balor's not turning heel. Who says they have to be heel? Hey, Nick, Nick demons are heels at their core, all right? We gotta be really honest about this, okay? Say let's, that, I'm, I mean, say that call again. a spade a spade guy. Brian has a, I don't know if you remember this, Brian has an issue where he thinks Finn Balor, because he's a demon king, yeah. demons have to be heels. 
Yeah, except except he's a huge baby face. He's a huge face, and I think you could bring back Gallows and Anderson. They can be faces. I don't see any reason that uh, faction can't be a face faction going up against Brock Lesnar. I don't see any issue with that. Because the fans don't want to cheer Gallows and Anderson. Like, they're not baby faces. They haven't heels. Been, you know, they haven't been given a reason to cheer. They're not going to. I mean, look, I, I I think they could do worse things than that. I mean, it would be interesting. I just don't think the fans would get behind I'm just talking about, your, you. like I said earlier, you expect the unexpected when an injury kind of throws a wrench into things. And if you're going to do a Triple H uh, getting the title for Owens on Raw um, uh, in the vacated title, why not make the Bullet Club or the Balor Club or whatever the hell you want to call it? They've already teased that name two weeks ago. He said it's the fans. They could even turn heel. I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to turn no, heel. No, that would work. You'd sell merchandise. I think the wild card in this, guys, and maybe disagree with me, is is Bray Wyatt. You, yeah. you screwed up with Randy Orton. There's a lot of like people ready to people are ready to turn against Bray Wyatt for good, saying it's not creative's fault. It's his fault. He's just not going to work out. Put him in the main event feud with Brock. I mean, have you even thought about those two going against each other? Yes. I, I, I yes. love to see Paul Heyman and Bray Wyatt with their with their unique styles of cutting promos actually be put in the same situation. No, it would be bad. Money. It would be bad if that happened because Bray Wyatt comes out there and, t- and speaks nonsense and Heyman would just obliterate him because – all right, let's go this down the line. entertaining. Okay, let's go – I don't think Bray Wyatt's entertaining. I like him in the ring. I think his character sucks. I think it's stale. They've He jobs to everybody and he comes out and he gives the same promo every week and if he asks someone five minutes after it ended, what was the most impactful thing that Bray Wyatt said? I guarantee you that not one person would remember one thing that Bray right, Wyatt that, said that's because true, he comes out and speaks in platitudes potential. and generalities. So I like what WWE did here at the start of Raw, and I had tweeted this out. Um, when they gauge audience reactions here to see which matchup the fans really want to see. So let's go down the line here. Finn Balor. I'd say he got the second biggest response as to whether or not they're going to face Brock Lesnar, and I think that's the direction that they're going to go in. I don't think it's going to be Reigns because I think they're saving that program coming up for WrestleMania. So I do think it'll be Balor, and you guys did a great job breaking it down. Good styles clash. I think that's going to be your main event coming up, um, the next big feud for Brock Lesnar and his big title match. Seth Rollins, I don't think it makes sense to put him in this match. I think Balor's the better opponent here, and the fans, honestly, were hotter for Balor than they were for Rollins. For Bray Wyatt, I think that feud would be a disaster. Because there isn't one person out there watching who would think that Bray Wyatt had any chance of beating Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman would embarrass Wyatt on the microphone because Bray Wyatt's character is extremely limited. Samoa Joe is a non-entity as far as I'm concerned when you're talking about these other four guys. The interesting one is Roman Reigns. Because the fans popped the hardest for him. And Roman Reigns, in my estimation, has officially entered the John Cena zone. Where you put him in the ring against anybody, that match is getting heat, and he's getting the majority of it. Whether he's getting cheered, or he's getting booed. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar is your money match. And no matter what anyone thinks about Reigns, and if you're listening to this podcast right now, and you hate Roman Reigns, guess what? You're going to pay your money to go out there and watch Brock Lesnar kick Roman Reigns' ass, and you're going to pay to go out there and boo Roman Reigns because he's the hottest actor right now, whether right. you like it That's or not. Pre-established. That's why they're going to headline next year's WrestleMania. Correct. But I don't think it'll be Reigns coming up here to go over. I think that wouldn't be a bad slingshot to make here if you want the summer program to be really good. I think they'll wait. I think that they'll put Finn Balor over. Now, we have a lot more show left. I want to say one quick thing before we move on. Nick mentioned Bray, he's getting stale, and I totally agree. I think it's a really good point. They need to transition that character, but I'm already seeing it a little bit. The white pants are gone, the Hawaiian shirts are gone. He's wearing these jean jackets with stuff all over him. He changed his hair, actually, to show more of his face, which you do when you want someone to be recognizable, and they're putting him in the ring with the lights on with other wrestlers for talking segments like they did on Raw, which they don't normally do. They usually shield him in the back, so... 
I don't know if the progression is something that's going to happen or that should happen, but there are little tweaks going down. Yeah, and, I mean, he's wearing 80s stonewashed, uh, acid-washed yeah. jeans, which and, I was down with. But it shows that they're they're at least acknowledging that when they went all in on the creepy stuff, it didn't work. Right, and now that the House of Horrors is in the past and the Wyatt family is in the past, he can be a crazy Cajun guy from Louisiana, North Florida type dude. So, so he's Skinner, basically. <laughs> um, yeah. But you just need some, some dip, right? Get, they, get that man some dip. They can transition him a little bit from being a cult leader to just being a wacko, and it will still work. And I think I'm starting to see little hints of that. And Brock Lesnar is a Superman character, so if you wanted to dip back into the, the weird stuff – then you could create a, a kryptonite, a sister Abigail spiritual force that could disarm Brock. I'm not saying it's going to work because they haven't proven they can make those angles work, but I think it's more natural to see uh, Bray try to use mystical powers to take down somebody like Brock, but we'll leave it where it is. We can go on this forever. Yeah, he'll bring That's in Cain Velasquez. That'll be the kryptonite for Brock Lesnar. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, taking a punch to the face or a USADA test. The two, the only two people will ever <laughs> defeat Brock Lesnar right there. Transitioning to the co-main event. Oh, my God. Oh, well, you're talking about activating that field spot. This isn't my my field spot moment of the week, but it easily could have been. And Nick, I know it. I know this. This touched you in the spot because the likes of Bliss owned Raw once again. And guys, the last few weeks it had been like, oh my god, she's so good. Oh my god, she's even better. I really thought this was her best segment since coming to Raw. Her best segment ever, even better than when she stood on that stage with the girls around her a few weeks ago. Takes out the kendo stick and beats down Bailey viciously to the back of the neck. Does the the fake crying routine moments after taking the mic and basically doing a vicious beat down to the fans. It's it's elevating above just we think she's really cool, we think she's really hot, we think she's better than she should have been. Guys, it's it's even elevating above she's operating on the level of the best female in the company. I think that's already even established now. She's doing better work than Charlotte currently is. I'm now moving it up to the next level. This is not as good as AJ Styles debuting in 2016, but is this approaching that category of the best debut 12-month calendar years on the main roster that we've seen in recent time, or am I just fired up? Uh, You're definitely fired up, and rightfully so, and she's doing a fantastic job. I think in the 12 months there were too many, not down moments, but kind of lulls in her character where she wasn't advancing and she was kind of doing the same thing to say that she was as impactful over a 12-month period as someone like Styles or Kevin Owens. You know, he came in right with John Cena and beat him, stuff like that. However, Alexa Bliss is a badass. Every time she's on the screen, I'm tuned in to watch. I'm not necessarily going to fast-forward her or kind of do something else at the same time. I want to see Alexa Bliss, not just because she's beautiful, not just because she's great on the mic and great in the ring, but she's a badass and she's totally captivating. And to have someone like that leading a women's brand on Raw, it's just a home run. All right, so let's let's establish one fact first, right? More people watch Raw than they do SmackDown. Raw's the bigger show. Monday night's the established night for wrestling for the past 20-some-odd years. So I almost... You didn't say the word episodic. Epi- you yes, episodic, episodic, yes. <laughs> you, you, you said it earlier, so I feel like that may have covered the quota here. But... Since she's been on Raw, I think that you can say that it has been just an unbelievable debut here for Alexa Bliss. And exactly. I look at that. She's in the main event now. Not that SmackDown's not the main event, but you look at Raw's the bigger show. And she has been an absolute superstar since she came to Monday Night Raw. And she did something that I have not seen a lot of women in WWE be able to do on the microphone, maybe with the exception of a Stephanie McMahon who has had so much practice doing it, and that's to go out there and hold a crowd in the palm of her hand. And for the first time, really, she faced a lot of adversity from the crowd when she was out there in the ring on Monday in the form of the what chance and the way that she handled it. And I actually tweeted it out right after it happened. 
She improv that line because you can't go out there expecting. Maybe she thought at some point, okay, if the crowd chants what, this is what I'm going to do. But it seemed to me like she improv that in the moment, which which shows you. And I said the first week when we talked about Alexa Bliss that she could have been an actress if she were not in wrestling because that's how good her facial expressions are. And I think that showed you this again, how good she is as a character, that seamlessly she goes in the middle of the what chants. If you're a failure, say what? The crowd waits a, a beat. And then says what? As if he's like, <laughs> you're great and we are admitting that we're stupid compared to you because we yeah. like you actually. We actually like you so much. So she was awesome yet again. And um, she's so hot. And listen, I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, a, I'm a straight I dude that and, I just, and I just love her. I love her. You mentioned Steph. Steph's the only one I thought a female that's been able to do that. Charlotte once in a while gets to the highest level. Actually – Alicia Fox, who we'll get to later, actually, because she's crazier than the fans, can also shut them down. But I thought Bliss was just like, like you said, main event level, just coming through. It's not just shutting up the crowd. It's, I don't know, she's owning segments that in on paper probably aren't going to be that good. And she's in there with somebody like Bailey, who I, I begin to cringe now when Bailey comes out because the mic work is just really that bad. And she just elevates it to another level. And when they allowed her to be that vicious with a kendo stick, it's like, yes, that's exactly what we want. I want her to hit me with a kendo stick, honestly. <laughs> like, I would yeah, get in the ring and have her beat me dip. with a kendo stick. Oh, man. And these segments can dip sometimes when the female levels aren't up to par on the microphone. She elevated. But, Nick, for what you're saying of taking the kendo stick from her, look, she's engaged in real life to NXT's Buddy Murphy. You know, Is that of, of true? The, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think of I the like Blake her as and much Murphy anymore. or whatever you call them, the tag team. <laughs> I liked They're her better when I thought she was single. Nick, how do we get you – I'm a married man. How do we get you involved in a, in a real-life Mega Powers-esque angle where you get to play the Hogan role in here and slide into Buddy Murphy's DMs and maybe, you know, cross that line? I want nothing to do with Buddy Murphy. I'm not sliding into his DMs. Alexa Bliss, maybe. And I will note here that uh, after the episode that we did two weeks ago of this podcast, I tweeted out that we love Alexa Bliss after something a listener had tweeted. And Alexa Bliss herself liked the tweet. So I feel like oh, maybe here we go. or absolutely nothing. It wasn't going just to a tweet, yes. Nick. She liked the Greek. You no, know what I'm saying? I, I, that's a good line. I am professing my my undying love right now for Alexa Bliss. Please, please hit me with a kendo stick. <laughs> absolutely. Transitioning out, guys. It's the hero or zero. Let's move quick on this. Right to the point. Are these things working right now or are they not? Nick, leading off with you, the aforementioned Alicia Fox. She got a clean win over Sasha Banks on Raw. Did not see this coming. Hero or zero to the idea of, of her being on this level after being such a joke character in recent months. All right, believe it or not, I'm going to go hero here. I'm going to go for two reasons. I like a lot of the work that Alicia Fox has done throughout the years. I don't know that they've used her properly here. And Brian, you brought up the fact that she's done that crazy angle a couple times. Remember when she went, she would completely melt down at the announce table and, and go nuts. And I forget who, maybe it was Michael Cole, maybe it was someone else, but she would got into it with one of the, uh, one of the play-by-play guys on either Raw or SmackDown. So I actually like Alicia Fox's work here. And for Sasha Banks, how many different pay-per-views have we had in the past two years, let's say, where we've said beforehand, okay, this is Sasha's moment to go over, and they never put her over. So Sasha Banks has reached the point here, I think, in her career where I don't think anyone takes her seriously anymore as a female main event caliber star. At some point, they'll probably give her a run because she's there and she's still really popular, but I don't really buy Sasha Banks at this point anymore, so you might as well use her to put new people over if you're not going to put her over. So I actually liked what they did with Sasha Banks and Alicia Fox on Monday. Yeah, it's a hero for me as well. Well, you know, 
they, like Nick said, they do seem to kind of bury Sasha Banks a lot. Even when she was trading title wins with Charlotte, every time it was a pay-per-view match or a really important title defense, Charlotte won. Charlotte won every single time. You have Banks going into WrestleMania with an like two awesome entrances two years in a row. You think she's going to win. She doesn't win either of them. So I like that WWE will occasionally keep things fresh with an unexpected, you know, win. Now, do I think they do a 50-50 booking and she gets the win back? Yes, I do. What I like about Alicia Fox that people don't give her enough credit for is she's really good in the ring. The prop, yes. the only problem I had with this match, the um, scissors kick was great, you know, homage to Booker T, great homage. I mean, um, but her finisher should be the Northern Lights suplex. It is beautiful. It's perfect. It's the most athletic thing that anyone in the company does, and she should be able to. Well, that's that's an overestimate. No, no, no it's ridiculous. She it fully is, it is incredible. It's she, a good move. Charlotte's Charlotte's moonsault off the top rope. No, no, no to, but, the, to the floor. Is but better. when you see how flexible and athletic she is when she's hitting it, it would be a pinning maneuver that no one should be able to kick out of because she's fully inverted after doing the suplex. So it's great. It's a hero for me for Alicia Fox. Push her a little bit more, but switch up that finisher. Make it right. Yeah, Adam pretty much stole my point on the Northern Lights suplex and how good she is in the ring, and you forget that. I'll also add Hero, and I just want to say, look, I watch probably more 205 Live than anybody on this podcast or listening to this podcast, and her work as the crazy valet has actually been pretty good. And so I think her character, been around a while, now going in the right direction. Maybe this becomes a surprise Jinder Mahal-type situation where her hard work is rewarded. We don't know. Nah, probably not. Probably Banks goes over in the end, but but good start to this hero all the way. And one last thing here on Alicia Fox and Sasha Banks for the Sasha Banks truthers out there, and you know who you are. Here's the problem with Sasha Banks. If she were on SmackDown, she's not the biggest star because Charlotte's there, and if she's on Raw, she's not the biggest star because Alexa Bliss is there. Period. End of story. Absolutely. Moving on. Uh, that wasn't the only surprise on Raw Monday night. Goldust turned heel breaking up the golden truth and attacking our truth in the ring after their entrance. Brian, hero oh, or zero? Big time hero. And this was part of me using that word electric on Raw. I felt like outside of just three really good in-ring matches, which sort of raised the energy in what was a horrifically bad Newark crowd. Newark, New Jersey, you were horrifically bad this week. And, and just even the even those three matches got you to pop at certain times. Look, the crowd was dead silent during this, and that's where you need to be because it was a chilling attack. You could argue maybe you could, you should have saw it coming, but I didn't personally see it coming. And I like that when you take somebody on the lower to mid-card level who's really not doing anything, they got a little comedic routine, they do the full entrance once in a while with the song, they always end up losing in the end. Give them something to work with. This is something to work with. And I think the biggest story that came out of here is Goldust wasn't doing the funny stuff. He was doing the old Goldust moves, the late 90s Goldust move, doing the hands across the chest, being creepy as he was sort of celebrating the beatdown on R-Truth. Huge hero because it gives them something to do. And I personally pop for these two veterans. I think R-Truth, even when he's in, when he was in the WrestleMania ladder match just, what, two years ago, I still pop for his presence once in a while on this level. I was for it. I'm going to go hero as well, and it's because I'm excited about Goldust here. I, I'm a huge fan of Dustin Runnels in general. I, I think that he's a, a good worker who has been minimized, obviously, as he's gotten older here in this decade, but I, I think that this is good, could turn out to be pretty good if you let him really go back to that heel Goldust persona. I'm not saying that he's going to be a main eventer, or I'm not even saying he's going to be a mid-carder who goes over on a regular basis, but it's something new. It's something fresh, so I like it. The one thing that I will say I don't like, I'm not an R-Truth fan. I think the what's up thing is the most tired thing in all of wrestling. I don't care. I don't think he's a particularly good worker. I'm not oh, how excited. How dare you? How dare I, you? I'm being honest here. R-Truth does not do it for me. He does not hit me, Brian, in that feel spot. So I'm not 
especially excited to see R-Truth potentially get a push as a singles guy, but I am excited for Goldust, so I'll give a hero to this one. So it's a hero for me, too. You know, I'm never going to refer to Goldust as electric or a reason that Raw was electric, but it was a nice... Nost- maybe in 1997. Yeah, maybe, yeah, but it was a nice nostalgia play. It was definitely the right move. He was the right guy to go heal. But Nick's right. R-Truth really needs a new character. I disagree that he's not a good worker. I like him. I think he's okay. I think he's smart enough and, and intelligent enough to be good on the mic and be good. But they, some of these guys, they just throw them in these characters and they refuse to let them change. The music needs to be different. The attitude needs to be different. The look needs to be different. He's very athletic in the ring. He has some really good moves. And I remember there was a time, I think, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, I think he feuded with John no, Cena for the title. It, it was a, yeah. in DC. Where, where he was, for me, a believable main eventer just based on talent. I didn't like the gimmick, but based on talent. So look, he's they've both been there long enough in WWE with the same gimmicks that things needed to change. Heal Goldust, great. R-Truth, I hope... I almost hope he doesn't go over. I hope Goldust wins this out, however long this feud goes. He oh, takes he a couple R-Truth months off. Genetti here. We know this. Come on. He takes a couple months off and comes back. That's what I hope. All right. I mean, how dare you on all those things you said about truth. But moving on, Adam, the Kevin Owens highlight reel this week to open SmackDown. Jericho not there. KO there. Look, I didn't like this at all. I'm going to hear your opinion. Hero or zero? So the segment this week was an absolute zero. I thought it was horrific. It was a horrific start to SmackDown. However, given Kevin Owens the highlight reel for me as a hero, I like that concept. It keeps Chris Jericho's name alive on SmackDown, allows Owens to keep trolling him. Jericho's going to come back eventually. It'll keep that feud going. Hopefully he breaks in either on a match or during the highlight reel as a surprise guest. You know, they start fighting again, etc. So I love the concept of Owens stealing it from Jericho and keeping Jericho alive in the vernacular of SmackDown. But this week's episode was a, or this week's segment was an absolute total zero. I'm going to go zero here. Um, Jericho's gone. They did the injury angle enough already. Like, there's yes. no reason for Kevin Owens. Like, like, why are they still talking? Like, Jericho's going to come back. Like, they don't need to keep talking about Chris Jericho for Jericho to be white hot when he comes back. The guy's That's a Hall fair. of Famer. He's a legend. Like, he's going to – the crowd's going to go nuts when he comes back. We know that they're doing Jericho Owens because they did the injury angle. Everyone knows that Jericho's off with Fozzie right now. Like, Kevin Owens is good enough that he doesn't need this, right? To yes. still be still. Like, he just put the guy – enough with the Jericho stuff. He's feuding with AJ Styles now. Put the Jericho stuff in the past here. The one thing I will agree, Adam, it was bad. Like, yeah. the actual – forget about the – like, I don't like the idea – the execution, like you said, Awful. was also bad. Zeros all across the board, and it's hard to get a zero when you have something with Kevin Owens involved. That's how bad this was. But he mailed, look, he mailed in the, 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 the audible parts, you know, the parts on the microphone. It was like just monotone. It just stunk. And my overall point is not everybody needs a talk show segment. Like the Ambrose Asylum, not good. Never been good outside of Mitch the Plant. Never been good. Not yeah, everybody good. needs one. And if you're going to do one, mix it up a little. Don't just always do it right in the center of the ring. Remember back in the day what made these so good? They were they were what they were on the side. There'd be like a, a set that went with it, a real backdrop. The the snake pit with Jake, right? The barbershop. You had props. Go back to that again. It's not that hard. We don't have to have everyone standing in the middle of the ring. Zero. Move it along. All right, Brian. The SmackDown Women's Contract signing for the match coming up at the pay per view between the Welcoming Committee and the Face Faction led by Charlotte Flair. Hero or zero? 
All right, split answer here. Complete zero to the segment, complete zero to the match, complete zero to the idea of the match, complete zero by taking the three best women in the division, putting them on one team for no reason, going up against the people who don't really deserve to be in there. But hero, guys, to the one saving grace of this segment, James Ellsworth. Uh, you're, 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 you're stealing my heat. I know. You're going to blow up and you're not going to like, and you don't like him. But this week, that's what his character does. He's annoying. He does the duh comment, and he executed the perfectly one by one, telling each of the face women why they can't get with him. What, you know, not that they were thinking they could. That part That's was point. fantastic. If you got Ellsworth on your roster, use him. Let him be annoying. Let him go down that road. Hero to him, but zero to the whole thing. Even even zero to Shane on the mic. Shane, you're not good on the mic, dude. You're good jumping off the top of the cage, and you're good being in Vince's will, and you give us some great moments. But you're not good on talking smack, and you're not good in this type of segment. Take over with, all right. <laughs> I, I don't mind Shane on the mic as much, but it was a zero moment for me. Anytime that there's going to be four entrances and f- t- everyone takes turns on the mic giving a one liner and then signing the paper, those are not good contract signings. The contract signings as a whole are done too often. They should only really be for those massive, massive, massive fights. Um, so in general, I just didn't like it, but with these people in this ring uh, making a big deal out of a six woman tag match where there's not even a title on the line. Zero. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Um, Brian, you basically said everything that I was going to say. The only thing that I'll add here, I was actually legitimately laughing out loud at James Ellsworth. Like, yes. And I said last week, like, why is this guy out there? They gave him the mic, and he was very funny. And like you mentioned, that's the point, obviously, is like none of these women would even look twice at James Ellsworth, and he's sitting there in detail telling them why they can't get with him. So for me – I, I I'm going to give the segment a hero because I laughed throughout. Like, I actually physically laughed. Like, I didn't smile. I was actually laughing. So it has to get a hero for me because I'm smiling right now just thinking about how good James Ellsworth was. He saved that segment, so I'm going to give it a hero. Hey, two bits of inside baseball here I want to share with the three of us. We're at WrestleMania this year in Orlando. We had a chance to interview Carmella, like, at, what, 6 6 a.m. in the morning for Media Row. My favorite part about that is we all know she's dating big cast in real life, but off camera before we turned it on when we're sort of just prepping with her you know i'm like where's jimmy where's my guy ellsworth she went out of her way where where i didn't ask to let me know that they're not really together which i thought was hilarious (laughs) you know what i mean and then the the second best part of that when when our guy new york nick was like hey you're from staten island you know i'm from uh you know i'm from queens and then we check afterwards oh crap she's really not from staten island which is which is is a good thing because staten island the worst of the boroughs in in new york city sorry to anyone from staten island but you know it's true and i'm oh she knows so you, which was the worst thing, she and then did. Adam's looking it up. He's like, I think she's from upstate Mass, right? <laughs> but whatever, then. I'm from New York, and she's from Boston, so I don't like her then. All right, Double. moving on, moving on. Hero Zero, Nick, week three of the Fashion Files. All right, it's a hero because the segment overall is great. I will say this was the weakest of the three Fashion Files that they've done so far this month leading up to uh, the pay-per-view coming up, but it was still funny. Um, the, the, the play on the Uso shirt was very funny. Is H, I thought that was pretty hysterical. Tyler Breeze going, where am I? As Fandango is trying to shake him out of his malaise was pretty funny as well. So it was not as funny as last week's, but it was still funny. And I like that they're getting this push right now. It gets a hero for me. Not their best work, but still good. So I give it a hero. So I'm going to no-sell this just because – it's not that I don't like it. I le- Like I said, week one, I wanted to see what happened in week two. And the last two have been fine. So I'm enjoying it. I don't feel like the fashion files with everything that's going on needs to be discussed Every single week, so I'm oh, giving so I'm giving Brian Campbell a zero for putting it on this damn list. Oh, no, 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 zero no, for being no, on the list. You're, you're, you're a zero guys. for that. It, it shined for the third straight week.
week. And the reason why I added it to this segment was it actually felt like Fuji Vice, the great 80 segment between Don Morocco and Mr. It. Fuji uh, on TNT that, you know, the old, the old sit down show with Vince back in the, in the eighties prime days, 85, 86. This is starting to feel like that because it's such tongue in cheek. And we talked about some of the most comedic parts of the segment or the stuff that's on the walls behind them. They put up a, t- a picture of Tony Chimmel dressed in that oversized suit with, with a awesome. little, you know, little, uh, sticker next to it that said the worst. I popped for stuff like that. I thought it's still winning hero all the way. How dare you, Adam? And when, to end this segment, it's something that transition because we know that Brizongo will be facing the Usos. They talked a lot in their fashion segment. The Usos have a new promo style. They came out and delivered it once again this week to Brizongo. Adam, is this a hero or zero for them doing almost a reverse Enzo and Cash stick? This is a superhero for me. I liked the face Usos. I love the heel Usos. They look better. They perform better. They dress better. Every single thing about them is better. These kind of takes after matches when they're trash talking, it seems almost like they're delivering scripted pipe bombs. I know that's they not, are. I know, I, I know that's not really, that doesn't, you know, to go together because the pipe bomb is supposed to be unscripted and kind of just whatever comes off your chest, but I love it. I love the tagline. It's not paranoia. It's the Usos. These guys are absolutely rocking it. The SmackDown tag team division, they need to get American Alpha back in there. They need the New Day to get on the show. It's really lacking right now. There's not a lot of tag teams that actually matter. And uh, Brizango's doing a lot better. I'm not hating on them. But the Usos are the kings of that division. They need to be on every episode of SmackDown. They need to get massive amounts of time. Superhero for the Usos. Um, You nailed it, man. They're great. And if you guys will allow me to digress for a moment, um, I am paid to speak professionally by CBS, right? Um, for me, I find it easier when I'm up on camera to ad-lib in the moment. I don't like personally to be scripted. Like if I went out there, if I were a WWE superstar, I would never want to be scripted. I want to want to go out there and create in the moment. I don't think people understand how difficult it is to do what they did on SmackDown on Tuesday night. That was a scripted promo, 100%. There's no way that that was ad-libbed. And they performed it flawlessly. And when you thought it was over, it went on for another 20 seconds. And I'm sitting there thinking, and it was probably, what, like maybe 90 seconds long. And I'm sitting there for the first 10, 15 seconds like, okay, I don't really love this, but let's see where it goes. And with each 15 to 30 second increment, I'm like, it's getting better and better. And I'm sitting there as someone who's paid to speak professionally and by the end of it being like, that was unbelievable. So the degree of difficulty that goes along with doing something like that without messing up, without one stumble by either one, at that high of a level, a superhero for me. Uh, You nailed it, Adam. Nailed it. Absolutely well said. Guys, it's time to slide into them DMs. We know DM season is open. Them DMs are open. Guys, we had a lot of slides this week. Very happy to see that. I do want to encourage the our, our listeners, step up the questions. Give us some good stuff to work with. I'm loving the volume. Step up your game. And we got a lot of people not big fans of the, of our favorite DM heel, D, D. Mitty, but we'll get to that in a second. Let's start out with you, Adam. <laughs> our guy Blake Molina comes in for the second time since we started this at B. Molina WSU. He wants to know who on the current WWE roster should be the next Paul Heyman guy, and how would you book it? So I'm going to no sell this also, and Blake, you know, no offense to you, but WWE has gone down this road. They, they've tried to put guys with him. I personally like the pairing with Cesaro because he was so good in the ring, but they've tried this before, and it's failed. And the reason is there's only certain guys that Paul Heyman really, really works with. It worked with CM Punk, uh, you know, to some extent. It really works with Brock Lesnar. Now, if there's someone on the current roster who I think is 
supremely talented or at least looks the part but has really bad mic work, it's Jinder Mahal. Now, that doesn't make sense to me. I don't know why they'd get together and I wouldn't, book wouldn't. It, and I wouldn't book it that way. So that's why I'm no selling it. But the answer I'm going to give you is someone who's not on the current roster. The person that I want Paul Heyman to be the next Paul Heyman guy or should I say Paul Heyman girl is Ronda Rousey. Ronda Rousey's doing nothing. She needs to be in the WWE. We've asked Paul Heyman about this at CBS Sports before. I've interviewed him before. I said, what would you think about managing Ronda Rousey? He is all for it. I want Ronda Rousey in the WWE with Paul Heyman as her manager, and I want it, or advocate, and I want it exactly like they do with Brock Lesnar right now. This guy Silverstein sitting by the pool with Patterson booking this kind of stuff. No, I'm I, down with I, that. I actually kind of like that. I have a, it's funny, right? As you're talking, I find myself simultaneously agreeing and disagreeing. Because Adam, you're right that I don't know that the whole Paul Heyman guy thing really has worked outside of Brock. And they obviously tried it with Curtis Axel and that didn't work. Axel, right? I don't Cesaro, think it really worked that well Ryback. with Cesaro. It worked with CM Punk, but anything works with CM Correct. Punk because the guy was a transcendent talent. But I'm going to throw a name out here and this is where I'll disagree. And I feel like there is someone on the main roster that it could work with. And I think both of you guys are going to hate me for this. I think the listeners might as well. Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt is so stale on the microphone, he comes out and he speaks and he makes no sense for three to five minutes. No one believes that he's able to go over anybody because he's jobbed so many times. If you put Paul Heyman with Bray Wyatt, have Bray standing there with Paul Heyman and let Paul Heyman talk for Bray Wyatt, and every once in a while Bray Wyatt can go and talk nonsense and gibberish for three minutes, it could be a lot more effective and Bray Wyatt could be your heel to carry the show in Brock Lesnar's absence. Yeah. I feel like I just created greatness. <laughs> like you take that on the house. I don't know how you mesh them together though. I mean, you'd obviously have to dial down the, the creepy stuff, but I just don't, eh, I think you it's say, one of those I'm, I'm Or you don't dial back the creepy stuff and you say Heyman is not comfortable with it, but he sees the greatness in Bray Wyatt. And when Lesnar's not around, he wants to advocate for someone. And then you could even put when Brock's on the show, Brock and Bray Wyatt together as a super team destroying all the faces in their place. You know what, Brian? I'm going to let you give your answer, but I wasn't really thinking of current main event title contender talent to put with Heyman. And with Nick saying Bray Wyatt, I'm actually – I'm going to take back the no-sell from Blake, and I'm going to give a legitimate answer. And I think it's, selling for Blake. I'm, I'm going to sell, and I think it's a great answer, and it just came to me. Who do you put Paul Heyman with? Roman Reigns. No, and what you no, do, no. He doesn't need him, and no. what yeah, he does need him, no, he, doesn't. he does need him. And what you do is you have him turn at WrestleMania, just like Paul Heyman did with Big Show, and just like he did with Kurt Angle back in the day on SmackDown. I think a do you, don't forget, don't forget when they faced off previously at WrestleMania, Paul Heyman over and over and over again praised the Samoan legacy. Well, he had pra- to because they were trying to get Reigns over. Praised Roman Reigns, how much respect he had. He, he knew his father and and his cousins and so on and so forth. That pairing could really, really work. It would be a way to get Lesnar off of the show or, or give him a break, put a lot more heat on Reigns, especially if you're going to fully turn him heel. He doesn't need any so, more heat. So He's already getting nuclear So heat. that's what I would do if I was going to pick a current person. So I'm taking back the no-sell, but still Ronda Rousey is my answer. I think you guys are both overthinking it. I think it's a little bit more simpler. It could have been Braun Strowman, and I think it would have worked if you never let him talk once and he's just this Neanderthal. I love in the 80s when guys were Neanderthals, and you believe that they couldn't talk. They literally couldn't talk. The other guy I think it would work is somebody, if you want to get them from that quasi-main event level, but get them over the top 
stop because they can't get themselves there. And we don't know how good Baron Corbin will be yet. We know that WWE loves him and really trying to push him. If you had Paul with Baron Corbin and could just – look, the best part what Paul Heyman does is he speaks for you and then Brock just sort of folds his arms and gives you that evil cackle, right? That evil cackle could come out of Baron Corbin. It could be believable. I think it might be able to work, but I think overall our, our original point might work is that – you know, it works with Punk, it works with Brock, it's not going to work with everybody. So and you know who it would work with, who's got a great evil cackle? My guy, Bray Wyatt. Next up, and for any <laughs> female listeners out there who want to slide into my DMs on Instagram, it's at the Costos, K-O-S-T-O-S. But on to the question here. Wow, look from, at that. Yeah, that's not bad. I have to put myself over. Richard Lippman at XR. I-Y-A-1 asks, when Alistair Black faces The Miz at WrestleMania 37, will it be billed as Alistair versus the A-lister? Just wondering. Richard, I love you, buddy. Don't quit your day job. Uh, you're not a comedy writer. Um, but Alistair Black, should Brian be called up to the main roster at some point here? So I think that the question does have some validity as far as that's concerned. But as far as a joke is concerned, uh, that's a zero. Yeah, that is Sorry, zero. Richard. <laughs> they're giving him a pretty hard push. There are rumors out there, and, you know, dirt sheets, can you believe them, that he's actually going to be on the main roster pretty soon. And the one thing I'll say about it is he has obviously has a great look. He was, he was Tommy N on the indies, and he has the tattooed back, the creepy dark look. It's believable to transition him into this Aleister Black satanic type of character who rises up during the entrance. I think the best part about about the real person behind Aleister Black is, is he, he has a Dutch kickboxing background, and that finishing move black mass which is really just an mma wheel kick to the face is brilliant because he lands it so stiff and so perfectly and his opponents fall face first as if they've been knocked out in like a real mma type knockout and i know that you could say well sweet chin music they do that yeah but they don't always do it the right way right they take wrestling falls i've seen some of these nxt jobbers they put them in with are taking almost mma legit face first falls to the knockout if you get that move over and you get him over as as a real dark lord this may work it just goes against my thing, though. They pushed him as a face. And once again, guys, dark satanic characters until they're 20 years later completely over will not work as faces. So push him on the main roster, but push him dark and evil. Yeah, That's you know, I'm, I'm surprised at all this talk about him coming up so fast. It's, just, it's not what normally happens with NXT, but so far with what we've seen with this guy, it's not a question. That finisher is brutal. Um, he looks great. The entrance is fantastic. He is as primed as someone could be for the main roster. The only thing is I haven't really heard him speak, and I don't know that he needs to, but if you're going to be on the main roster, you need to be able to have the mic, run some promos, whether it's taped, whether it's in the ring. You can't just never speak. So I don't know if he's there yet in terms of what WWE wants. Maybe that's why he hasn't really spoke on NXT, but the rest of the package is there for me. You know what you do if somebody can't speak? You give him Paul Heyman. But moving on, uh, Adam, I want to hit you up with one from Nikki J, GRFX, at that same name. What do you think of Titus O'Neil going full LeVar Ball with the Titus brand gimmick, a.k.a. the Big Baller brand, and having Apollo Crews in essentially the Lonzo spot? I think there are entertaining parallels between the two, end quote. Yeah, you know, I, I'm all for this Titus brand thing. I know it's a little bit corny and a little bit too convenient just because they're there and they both have nothing to do, but it's really working for me. I don't know so much that currently there's the Lonzo Ball kind of uh, LeVar Ball, Lonzo Ball kind of connection, but I think that's a direction they certainly could go. I love Titus mocking Enzo. Titus is a lot funnier than people give him credit for. I'm enjoying the the team so far, and I really like that they showed Apollo Crews having Titus's back on Raw for the first time. Like, you're not going to mock my friend, manager, whatever you want to call him. So I'm enjoying where it's going, um, and I want to see more of it. I don't know what kind of lifespan it has, and you know what's eventually going to happen. Apollo will turn, or, or Titus will turn, be a heel again, whatever the case might be. But so far, so good. 
I will say this about this. I like Titus a lot. Adam, I think you're right. I think Titus is good in this role. And I'm sick of, en- of Enzo's shtick on the microphone. That's a story for another day. So I like Titus sort of mocking him. The one thing that I really liked about this was for the first time, Apollo Crew showed you some personality. And he showed you a lot of it in that moment when, when, when Titus is down and Enzo grabs the cell phone to take the selfie. And in the span of about 10 seconds, Apollo Crew showed you via facial expressions. First, he was a little annoyed by the fact that Enzo would think to do that. And as that little time, that short time period waned on, you saw it in his face that he started to get angrier. And then it reached the point where he hits him with the enziguri or that kick, knocks Enzo flat out. And finally, Apollo Cruz showed you that he's more than just a big body that can move around in the ring. So we already know that Titus can talk. So I like Titus in that role. But for me, I liked it because Apollo Cruz finally showed you something there that he can do something with his personality. Yeah, why don't you just bring in LeVar Ball, have him manage them? They could be a tag team, right? LeVar Ball let's go was, the full was made for WWE. It. God, I don't want LeVar Ball anywhere near WWE. All right, moving on, Nick. From Hashtag Lake Show, this is our boy, DMIDI78. Yes. Some controversies surrounding some of these questions from DMIDI and how much we're featuring him, but we're still doing it. He wants to know, Nick, if Kurt Angle is going to have one more match in WWE, who from the current roster would you have him feud with and what would be the angle? No pun intended. All right, this is a really easy one. And first off, to the people that are hating on our guy, DMIDI78, Bri, I think I can speak for you here. Stop me if I'm speaking out of turn. But here's the deal. If you don't want DMIDI's questions featured on the podcast, send in better questions than our guy DMIDI does. <laughs> DMIDI is a faithful, dedicated listener of the podcast. He subscribed, he rated, he reviewed, and he is a <laughs> vital part each and every week. So you want to bump DMIDI off the main event level, or you want to bump him down to the uh, to the mid-card or to the opening curtain jerking, send in better questions than our guy DMIDI. Look at that. Until when then. heel recognizes heel. Until then, we're going to keep featuring the guy because the bottom line is the guy puts us over so we're going to put him over. So you want to get him out, then you need to get in. So slide into B. Campbell's DMs. This is a really easy one here. Kurt Angle, the fans don't want to boo him. So Kurt Angle has to be a face, no matter who he goes against. He's going to go against AJ Styles. Why? Because they're going to give you the best match here. And here's the story. Let's not complicate it. AJ Styles thinks he's the best in the world. Kurt Angle has said he's the best in the world. Face Kurt Angle. Heal AJ Styles. Put on a five-star match. Everyone's going to love it. Done. Period. End of story. Let's not overthink it. Well said. I'm 100%. Yeah. 100%. I mean, that's the answer. There's no question. You have to, you have to have him fight someone he hasn't fought yet. There's no reason to bring him back and have him fight Cena or, you know, or, or anyone that. like that. D, no, I, D Midi ended his DM with Midi out and almost a Jimmy Superfly Snooker hand emoji on the way D-Midi's out. D Midi's so. putting himself over. Like I said, you don't like it? Send in a better question than our guy D Midi does. And Brian, last DM here from our guy at Talkbox. I'm a huge Talkbox fan. I will sell for Talkbox and put him over mainly because he has Bob Backlund as a Twitter avatar and mostly because he tweets us all the time. So we love our guy at Talkbox. And he says, Brian, the world needs your hot takes on stakes and weights. The NXT tag team, Heavy Machinery. <laughs> oh, I pop for these guys so much. First of all, a guy talkbacks, big, big fan of him. He reached out to me at, at his real Twitter handle. This guy's like a real legitimate, legitimate businessman, a real pillar of society. Loves our show, does not like D Mitty, so he's coming for him. But <laughs> Heavy Machinery is the cheesiest possible, like bad 80s AWA Vern Gagne type gimmick. It's just taking two, like, Guys that are shaped like a meatball who lift a lot of weights and putting them in almost like a Bob the Builder gimmick. And they have that, that, that slogan of stakes and weights. And I don't know if anybody saw this two weeks ago, but on NXT, they had a tag team match against two jobbers, but these weren't even like regular jobbers. 
These were guys who were basically halfway between the guys that King Kong Bundy squashed at WrestleMania 3 and like a regular sized cruiserweight tag team. They were like a mini tag team. And this was done right perfectly to just put over how big and strong these guys are. And essentially one of the, one of the guys of the, of the heavy machinery picked him up, picked up both guys and did like a triple Thez press and pinned them both. And it was just a throwback to like, here's how you're going to get King Kong Bundy over. You're going to put him in there with like the smallest job, local jobber you can find in the locker room. these guys are cheesy. I don't know where they what their ceiling can be, but right now, in, in the in the cleanest, you know, most honest possible way, they're getting over with me. So for me, they remind me in a similar way, '80s cheesy tag team of like more like the natural disasters, earthquake, typhoon type guys. And I agree that they're doing fine with what they have right now in NXT, and I think they're building them up to be, you know, the the next challengers for the authors of pain. That's kind of how I see it going down. But what I hope NXT does not do and WWE does not do is bring these guys up to the main roster with this gimmick. They made that mistake with the Ascension. Yes, the Ascension worked in NXT, but it was always an LOD ripoff, and it was never going to work on the main roster. They did the same thing with the VOD villains. Again, it was like that wasn't a ripoff, but that was more just. You know, it works here, but no one in real WWE main roster is actually going to want to watch that. And if you bring heavy machinery to the WWE main roster with that name, with that gimmick, with those tights, it's just not going to work. So WWE needs to understand this. And granted, yes, not every single tag team that's going to come up to the main roster is going to be a champion. And you need to have those kind of mid-card tag team guys to work. So I'm enjoying them. I think they're talented. Um, I kind of like the tongue-in-cheek gimmick as it stands now. But for me... I hope that at some point they break up or they change the gimmick or just something happens before they make it to the main roster. Nick, are you more likely to live your life under like a GTL type type of uh, mindset or more of like a stakes and weights? Do you get down with that type of thinking? Oh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I worked out this morning and I would say that my skin is like orange at this He's point. super from tan all, right from all, now. All the tanning yeah. that I've done. I mean, in South Florida, that's difficult uh, not to be tan. But Adam, one thing to hear that I'm going to take umbrage with. Do not take Earthquake's name in vain here. Like comparing <laughs> heavy machinery to no, like, I'm just like listen, Tugboat was a jabroni, and obviously he was <laughs> he was the Shockmaster. And if you're a younger listener and you don't know who Shockmaster is, Google or YouTube Shockmaster's WCW debut and prepare to laugh your ass off because I promise you it is worth your time. But Earthquake, you can't compare these guys. Earthquake made an entered a SummerSlam against Hulk Hogan. Earthquake killed. John, no, I'm just things, no, they, I'm saying more than natural disaster. Rest in peace, team. John Tenta. Rest Earthquake, one of the most underrated performers in the history of this business. Brian. Okay, apparently one of the nicest guys. John Tento will always be over on the In This Corner podcast. Guys, time to hit the bullseye right in the middle, right in the field spot before we get into previewing this weekend's action. I'm going to lead off. I love 205 Live. I love me some of that, and I love it a lot. And right now, what's hitting me right in the field spot is this The Brian Kendrick Akira Tozawa feud. Because it goes back to my favorite term, attention to detail. They've been building this now for two months. Every week, you know, like it started with Kendrick trying to take Tozawa under his wing and teach him sort of the evil way to do things, a newcomer from Japan, right? And Tozawa wanted nothing to do with it. So each week it's been Kendrick teaching him another lesson, and it's lesson number one, lesson number two. Well, the last few weeks Tozawa is getting his comeuppance, and it's been incredible. Brian Kendrick had a sit-down on NXT an interview with Corey Graves two weeks ago. Tozawa comes in with a super kick, just knocks him out cold. It was vicious. He sat down in the interview chair and did that annoying scream that he does that keeps getting over. And then last week, Kendrick comes back, pins Tozawa's head between the ring steps, steps on it, then throws the microphone in his face and actually jabs, sticks the butt end of the microphone in his mouth, almost like Million Dollar Man DiBiase putting a $100 bill in some guy's mouth. It's been incredible. This week, Kendrick gave a promo that's teasing a street fight for next week's 205 Live. 
The thing that 205 Live does great is it's simple, it's attention to detail, and they spread out a storyline over a long period of time. I popped when they announced that because as a just pure fan, I'm actually really excited to see how this feud ends and how much they escalate it during a street fight because this got a lot more physical than I thought it would get, probably a lot more physical than it probably needs to be, but it was enough to bring out a raw, natural fan energy in me. Thank you, the Brian Kedrick, for bringing it. I'm a big fan right now. That's a good one. My feel spot this week, it's a really simple one. And you it, know sold the hell. He goes, he goes, yeah, that was a good one. It was he good. He kicked out of his finish. It was good. Go on. It was good. It's a, it's a, it's a standard Brian Campbell 205 Live cruiserweight feel spot. It's, wow, it's, Brian, it's it that, sounds like Adam's crapping on your life, your love for wow. 205 Live I, a little bit here. Let's call this bait as He knows how I feel about it. it it's just, they're, they're, it's not, I don't like the separation on Raw. I don't like the way they're booking things. This is a good feud, and it's good that it hits him in the feel spot for me. Don't know, Sally. You don't. Like it doesn't do much for me. You don't uh, watch it. That's a difference. You, I do watch one thing to not like it. But. No, 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 I don't watch every episode, but I can't then watch every watch episode. You, you could watch it if you wanted to. If I, if I had the time, and if I wanted to, sure. But I don't. I don't want to watch it because they have not go. given me a reason to watch Two Hundred Five Live. I said it last week. I would cancel the show. I'd get rid of the purple ring. No, you can't cancel the show. They have a network. They have to fill content. No. They're not canceling. Do something the show. else. Do something else with it. Cancel you, you, the show. You, you would last two minutes as, as the business guy for WWE before you get fired. Uh, moving on, my feel spot, as I said, very, very simple this week. My feel spot's Kurt Angle, and it's just his entire return to WWE. I love him in the general manager role on, on Raw. I think that was very smart. But the real feel spot for me is the you suck chance that the, the crowd still does tongue-in-cheek when he comes out every single week. The crowd is smiling wide. It's not any heel you suck. Kurt Angle, when he gets to the stage, he's asking them to do it with his fists and his fingers. He's smiling so wide. You can just tell that Kurt Angle loves being back in WWE, getting the fan response, hearing his old music. The whole thing, it's just nostalgia, and it hits me in the feel spot. I love it. Good. I'm gonna, Brian's a hero. Adam's a zero here because Brian gave a real legitimate answer, and Adam gave something that we've been watching for 15 years here. So, so Brian, I'm going to put Definitely you over. Not. Adam, no selling your finisher here. My feel spot this week, at, believe it or not, Brian, I was going to go with James Ellsworth here, but we, have, we talked about Ellsworth earlier, so I'm not going to go with Ellsworth. Instead, I'm going to go with my guy... Roman Reigns. And it hit me for the first time this week, and I am a Roman Reigns hater in the sense that I've been saying they should turn him heel. Um, the match at WrestleMania against The Undertaker was an absolute train wreck. I have not been the biggest Reigns fan slash supporter over the years here, but it actually hit me for the first time here watching Raw this past week. The guy's actually the biggest star in the company, and he's, like I said earlier, he's in the Cena zone here. So when he's facing Balor on Monday night, Normally, I would be rooting against Reigns. I was rooting for him, and I felt like I was in the minority, and I feel like at some point here, the fans are going to catch up, and people are going to start cheering Roman Reigns again. I feel like that's what's going to happen here, and I don't mean necessarily cheer as a baby face, but the nuclear heat that this guy is going to continue to get as they continue on the road to WrestleMania next year against Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns hit me there this week because I realized that this guy is the biggest draw and that WWE is actually using Roman Reigns correctly, despite what everybody thinks they're doing the right thing with Roman Reigns. Yeah, that's fair. Point. And the bottom line on that is the guy just, he works. I mean, he's such a good worker. I had that fuel spot moment, I guess, in the AJ Styles feud last year, where they had those two back-to-back main events, you know, including the Extreme Rules. And it was just like, I thought those were the matches of the year. And it was, I just stopped any sort of Look, do I hate it when he kicks out of finishes and they and they push him way too too hard in one direction? Yes. Well, he's but, Cena. 
But man, the guy works. And, and, and I'll back your field spot this week because that match with Balor was absolutely fantastic. And I did sort of find myself in that same spot, you know, looking for him to get to pay back that victory that where Balor on his first week last summer pins reigns cleanly. And you're like, what? I was actually happy this week to see him come back in, in 50 50 that. Yeah, they're, they're definitely setting up a, a, a rubber match between them and it's going to be at a pay per view and it should be for a title. Um, so I'm looking forward to that as well. This weekend, guys, on Saturday night, NXT TakeOver will be in Chicago with a, with a fairly good card it's looking like. I think it's pretty interesting. We, we've seen the, the quarterly TakeOver cards when they bump up against a, a, one of the big four majors of, of the WWE. They'll do the, the pay-per-view card on Sunday. They'll do the Friday night NXT TakeOver card sometimes on Saturday. In between, they do some takeover cards in that full sale arena. Now we're seeing them maybe this is, this is sort of a setup for the future. Will it be every pay per view? Will you see an NXT takeover card a couple of nights before? It's an interesting debate. This Saturday's card will have the UK championship contended when Tyler Bate takes on the bruiserweight Pete Dunne in a rematch of, of their inaugural one. But before we get into this card, Adam, I wanted to ask you, it's a little bit weird to me though, that this is Saturday night, yet Friday they're doing a UK tournament special that will air on the network. It's actually Friday afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern. Jim Ross will be on the call with Nigel McKinnis. But what's weird to me is that the UK title will also be defended there. And Pete Dunne, who will be in Saturday's main event, will be in a number one contenders match on Friday. To me, it doesn't sort of match up when you've already announced who's going to be in the fight on Saturday. Am I overthinking this way too far? Yeah, no, no, you're not. It's I thought it was strange, too. I don't know why you don't just do the UK tournament or not tournament, the, the special next week or... You know, for Great Balls, uh, not Great Balls of Fire, for Extreme Rules, or I, I don't know. I, I don't know why they booked it this way, and I don't know why he's defending it twice. It doesn't really make sense to me. It doesn't. I mean, they're going to mix 205 guy, live guys into that card. It'll probably be in front of an electric card in England. I believe it was pre-taped, but that's a little bit weird. But heading into this takeover card, Adam, what is the, the one match that has really have you the most dialed in and, and invested in? Um, that's a really good question. I'm really into the NXT championship match with Hideo Itami finally getting that opportunity. I mean, this guy, he's been injured for what, 18 months with those two injuries all combined. He's really talented and he's electric. The, the crowd loves him. And this is a push that he, you know, would have and should have gotten way earlier. So it's pretty cool to see him in that match. Yeah. I like this because when he has come back, he just hasn't looked like the same guy. Right. And I really got dialed in myself into NXT right at the beginning of 2015. And he was really the one superstar that I first attacked. And was like, wow, man, I just love the mix of this indie style. We know he essentially invented the GTS and Punk took it from him. And they'll be in Chicago this week, by the way. But I like that he finally looks back completely, you know, back from the guy who was in that Andre the Giant Battle Royal in 2015, just a few years ago. The match, the number one contenders match last week against Roderick Strong was really tough, really good. I don't think he goes over here because I feel like what NXT is doing with this championship is sort of allowing one guy almost a full year to run with it and sort of be the lead draw. And I think like there's still time for Bobby Roode in that role. What do you think? Yeah, I don't know that he goes over. I think Roode is going to retain it as he should. I, I don't necessarily know that the NXT title needs to last that long. Um, I, I like that it does. I think you've seen a couple guys get two title reigns recently that didn't really, that never really happened before. It was usually one guy had it for an extended period of time, but I think a time he's too soon back. And this rivalry is too new for him to just win it here, especially at this type of uh, paper pay per view takeover, whatever you want to call it. So for me, it's it's rude, um, you know, coming out on top there. What do you think is going to happen? Let's go. Let's break. Let's break the rest of these down just with quick predictions here. What do you think is going to happen in that triple threat match for the women's title? I think it's going to be good. I mean, we know Ember Moon dropped out because of injury, so it's a triple threat. I think it's going to be high wire. It may have a potential to be the match of the night. 
I just think you have to push Asuka over again because unlike other people who have left NXT, and it's been the same pattern from Finn Balor to Bailey, they lose it at a takeover, they get the one rematch, they lose it again, they get the full thank you, we love you send off. Even Shinsuke Nakamura went through that. I think Asuka's been different. You've billed her as unbeaten. She's two years undefeated. I think she's got to carry that all the way into her main roster call-up and not actually dump the belt. And I don't think either Ruby Ryder or Nikki Cross, who work well together, are fitting yet to carry that title. No, I don't think so either. I think if Ember Moon was in this match, maybe you could make a case she wins without pinning Asuka, so she kind of doesn't really... She lost the match and her streak would end, but she would still have the pin and you know not being pinned or submitted streak. But I agree. I think Asuka needs to keep that title heading into her main roster debut. And I think they did that with Paige, if I remember correctly, um, when she was NXT Women's Champion. So that's the ki- that's the move that they need to do. Maybe you bring her into the main roster, have her win the title, and just forfeit the NXT title um, and never yeah. have never have her lose an NXT because she is that good and she's really impressive. You know, the other match of real consequence on this card is that tag team championship. The authors of Pain who've for, really overachieved, man, they are really good and they can really work. They're going in there against DIY. This will be a ladder match. Adam, you and I sat together at, at the uh, NXT TakeOver card before WrestleMania in Orlando when they did that triple threat with the tables. That was That's probably the match of the year. I mean, I, I really oh, yeah. liked AJ and Shane at Mania, but that was probably the real match of the year up to this point. I see no reason why we don't see the same kind of fireworks on, on this one on Saturday. Yeah, no, that was absolutely the match of the year, and we do have a little bias because we were in attendance and saw it, and the crowd was incredibly hot for it. Um I don't know how this is going to turn out. I, I really, if this was a regular match, a non-ladder match, I think it's an easy Authors of Pain win. I don't really think it's much of a contest. The fact that it's ladders and these guys can, DIY can use their athleticism to quickly cl- climb up the ladder, get the title, I think it gives them a chance here, but I don't think they're going to be going over Authors of Pain even in a match like this. It would seem like the DIY is close for a call-up. The only, my only problem is they're still really small yeah. in, in size. And I know in these day and age that shouldn't be an issue. But the reality is these guys are cruiserweights who probably belong in the cruiserweight division. So in the smaller arena of NXT against a smaller-ish roster, they do work so much better. And if we just saw the Revival go up, then maybe it's not their time yet. Maybe they do go over and win the title for the third time. And you have these two specific teams going a long run now that the Revival's not there. I actually like DIY to go over for that for that thinking, but I think I do. I want I want to add. I do think that's possible. And to just go into the cruiserweight thing that we talked about a short while ago, that's why I don't want the separation between the cruiserweight division because I would love these guys to be called up to the main roster. And sure, I like them as a tag team a lot, but you could have them wrestle singles wrestlers on cruiserweight as a tag team on Raw and as singles on Raw too, and just have them mix with main event talent because they're capable of being against those main event type heavy you know talent. Not necessarily like Reigns, but you know the mid card and those guys. Um, the regular roster, I guess, is what I'm saying. But by segmenting them to cruiserweight, you only get them against those eight other guys, and and it's just you're pigeonholing them. So that's a big reason why I don't like the segregation of the cruiserweights and then the regular roster. I like the mix, and I don't just like oh they get matches against each other on Raw. That's not of an, enough of a mix for me. But I know you're trying to move on to the UK title match, right? Yeah, I don't care a lot about this UK title match. They haven't really put over that title enough. For- for us to care. I do like Tyler Bate once I found out the guy's only 19 years yeah. old. I mean, he has an interesting body in that he's got gigantic muscular legs. He's got a really good frame. He seems to work really well. He's athletic. He can do the, you know, the, the tope suicida with no problem. He can do some things in the ring. 
I just, my overall biggest question is, how are you going to make me care about this belt? I'm not in the UK. I know you want to expand there, so that's why you created the title. There's probably going to be a spinoff show of some kind. I don't know if it'll air for us on the network. It would be smart if it did, just to, just for the overall semblance of it. But do you care about this title, and do you see yourself ever caring? I don't care so much about the title, and I doubt I ever will. I do care about Tyler Bate. I think he's really really talented and I actually am looking forward to the match because he's so good in the ring and he was so good in that UK tournament and I've liked him every time every time I see him I'm like oh they're doing this again and then oh yeah that was really entertaining so I'm interested to see him I love that he's 19 and and he's really really young and he could be on the WWE main roster in maybe two three years and actually be a legitimate competitor for a mid-card title um I like the way they're building him up and because of that and because he's the first champion I don't necessarily see him dropping the belt so quickly uh but my biggest concern with all this uk division and show stuff are they really gonna i I know they're trying to get into every territory they want to be in india and asia and so on are they gonna do like a japanese title an indian title is that what we're headed for are we headed for like 12 wwe titles outside of all the main ones Probably. I mean, that you know, business wise for them to go into those markets and compete with the with the top promoters in those areas, knowing they have the worldwide network. Yeah, probably. I mean, probably. But, you know, we'll have to see it, it again. Wake me when it really matters, when we should care right now. Not we shouldn't care yet. But what we care about is Sunday's WWE Backlash card. Let's break down this card. Let's let's hit it with some speed. Let's get some predictions, some booking ideas. It's going to kick off on the kickoff show with Ty Dillinger, the perfect 10 against Aiden English with his new crying gimmick. Guys, I could not care less about this match. I will punt it. Do you have any thoughts? I do care about it. Um, And I'll tell you why. I think Aiden English is hysterical, and I love the Drama King gimmick that he's got right now. And I thought a couple of weeks ago on SmackDown when he lost that match and was crying afterwards, I think he actually lost it to Ty Dillinger, if I remember yeah, he correctly. Did. Yeah. I was actually laughing. Like, he played it really well. And I think that his look is interesting because he's got the weird, like, he's balding, but he's got the facial hair and he's got the chest hair. I, for some reason, the whole thing works for me. I don't think he's a megastar main eventer, but I do like him as as a comedy mid-carder. Ty Dillinger is going to go over, let Aiden English cry after the match. I'll laugh. So that's all I have to say about I, it. I like the backstage segment they did with English. I forgot who it was with, but I think maybe Dean Ambrose or Jericho. Oh, Jericho made him feel better and then made him cry. Like that was really funny. Um, but Ty Dillinger is two and zero against English, so this is going to be. I guess you can call it, it's not really a rubber match because they don't each have a win, but I think Ty Dillinger goes 3-0, and moves on to bigger and better things. What about you? Still time to call Dillinger down, guys, but I'm going to move on from this. And a match that was just added last night on Talking Smack, Aaron Rowan, Eric Rowan against Luke Harper in a battle of former Wyatt family members. Guys, we don't have a lot of reason to care about this, and I don't know if you saw Talking Smack last night, but if you did, you'll have even less to care about it. Now, I thought it was one of the worst presentations of a performer when they let Eric Rowan come out with a bag full of those sheep masks, and he creeped up to Renee Young. He sat close to her, and he revealed too much of his character. He doesn't have the acting chops to pull off what they tried to, which was to show the crazy split level to his personality. He was giggling with the masks and then a second later would act angry. Neither roles were believable. It goes back to what I sort of said with Braun Strowman of you. You could have had Heyman speak for him because Braun would be more effective if he never spoke. You know who was effective in the 80s? The Moondog Brothers. Moondog Spot, Moondog Rex, career jobbers that were hilarious. They gnawed on a bone. Just like Kamala, they never spoke and you had the belief that they couldn't speak. I think Aaron Ro- Eric Rowan should be that type of guy who doesn't speak because he's an absolute creep show. He's a big thug who you can use in certain in certain situations, but he's also the guy that jobbed out to on WrestleMania for six seconds to The Rock and has never recovered and probably should never recovered. This match stinks, even though Harper is reborn. 
I don't like what they did on Talking Smack. I don't like this feud. These guys should be teaming up together, helping out Bray Wyatt or not be on the roster. Quote the Campbell nevermore. Not be on the roster. Luke Harper is extremely talented then performer. Then do something with him, Yeah, right? so that's – so look, if I, what, what do I think is going to happen? I think Harper's going to get his win back because of 50-50 booking. So that's my prediction. The way I would actually book it, I would have Eric Rowan win this match and Harper I, – I say this a lot. Go away for six weeks. Come back with a new gimmick. Just – be something different. Realize that Eric Rowan ended whatever the hell his gimmick is now, and it's that's in but the here's past. Here's the problem: his gimmick is his look, and they're not going to change. He's not shaving the beard, so like, what's his gimmick? I don't know. That's what that's he's King Kong Bundy without the beard, right? Look, I mean, no, he's, and, 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 but he's thin, and he's athletic and really talented. Like he's a really, really good in-ring performer. WWE, they have a creative team and a booking team. Get creative. Do something. Right, with not this really guy. good. Harper is really good in the ring. Rowan is Harper. Adequate. That's what I'm talking he's about. A heel yeah. thug. No, I'm talking about Harper being good in the ring. I'm saying All they right. they can do something with him. This is this is as easy as it gets. Harper goes over in like three to four minutes. Put him over strong. Do something with him on SmackDown the next week. Done. Thank you very much, guys. Baron Corbin, Sami Zayn, and sort of you're on the IC level. We don't have anything for you to do. We'll rekindle this. Do you care? Where's this going? I gotta hear your thoughts. Yeah, that's easy. Baron Corbin's gonna go over because Sami Zayn's a jobber and they're, they're grooming wow. Baron Corbin. It is what, look, I like Sami Zayn. The guy's a great worker. Who thinks he's gonna win this match on Sunday? No one. He's not gonna win, right? Because we've heard, and you've referenced the dirt sheets, right? All the dirt sheets say that at some point Baron Corbin's being groomed for a top program on SmackDown. They're not gonna job him out to Sami Zayn. Now, if Zayn does somehow manage a fluke win, what's gonna happen? Corbin's gonna end up getting his heat back anyway. Sami Zayn is a jobber to the stars. That is the role that he's nestled into, whether you like it or not. I don't particularly like it because I think the guy's really talented. The one thing where Sami Zayn, the one place where he suffers is he's not great on the microphone. He's not believable. He comes out there and he's like, oh, shucks. He's not fluid in his delivery. I don't really like either of these performers as all-around overall performers. Um, Corbin's obviously going to win, and I think that that's just going to be that. Yeah, I think Corbin's going to win, and that is the right way to book it. it. I don't know what benefit there is from Zayn winning this match, unless you're going to continue this feud for another six weeks, and which doesn't make any sense. So, no. Can we have El Generico come out and break up this match? There'll be somebody <laughs> else under the mask. That'll get me to care about this. Right now, it's everything Nick said. It's just a setup for the future. <sighs> Zane's a loser. Yeah. He, he's bu- being booked as a loser. I've said it multiple weeks in a row. The, and sh- they got the fashion else. files, by the way, for calling out Baron Corbin for having three t-shirts all with wolves that on it. Funny. That was pretty That's funny. And real quick here before you move on to the, to the women's tag team match, the moment where Sami Zayn his character died in my eyes was Angle's first night as GM Correct. when Zayn was out there and like Zayn actually was decent and Angle was putting him over like Angle was like you can go out there and you can do this Sammy Zayn leaves the camera shot and Angle basically rolls his eyes as if to be like you can't actually do it that to me was the death knell for yeah, Sammy Zayn I, I didn't I didn't mind the fanboy Zayn we saw like two weeks ago that wasn't the worst thing for me when he was in that six-man tag because that was at least like the way he should no, be. No, but they're booking him as a loser. No, but he is a loser. Correct. That's the biggest. You know problem. what Sami Zayn should do? I mean, really, because I still think he's a top seven worker in the company, top six maybe. You could maybe put him. This is my favorite idea. Put him back on NXT, but let him be the champion for like a full year. Let him come on Raw once in a while. That's fine. But be the champion on NXT for a full year in main event. It'd be back to being a star again, right? Well, if you change his character, if you do something with him that makes him someone him you actually want to watch. Give him as his, they, as his they'll, manager. They'll never move him down because he's very good in the role that he's in now. And to the Zayn fans that want to see him get pushed, it's never going to happen. He is Dolph Ziggler 2.0 minus Worse. Ziggler's yeah. title run. All right, the fourth match on this card that you shouldn't care about, guys, is the six women tag team match. We, we, I dumped on it earlier. It's the welcoming committee, Tamina Snuka, 
Natalia and Carmella against the three best women on, on SmackDown, uh, Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and Naomi. I, I really, I'm, I'm actually almost physically angry that they did this because as we talked about, Charlotte and Naomi had a ton of potential. And I know that this is a spinoff for that. Like, right? Charlotte referenced, I'm coming for your belt, Naomi, after this program is done. But guys, I gotta actually ask you, here's my most important question. Why do this program? Is it just to remind everybody who's in this division on SmackDown? Because everything about it stinks. It's a typical WWE move when they don't really, they don't want to necessarily just continue a one-on-one feud, and they don't have anything else for the other women to do. They throw them in a six-man tag. They've done. They, there's been more women six-man tags at, at pay-per-views than, I mean, than almost any other type of match like that that I can but you remember. Have Charlotte, you have. Well, Charlotte. that's the problem. So, I mean, if I'm booking this thing, I'm booking the heels to go over with Charlotte helping them and kind of, or or just turning on Naomi and, and and walking away and letting the heels kind of win this match. But I don't see how. WWE actually does that with how they've been building this up. So I think the faces are going to win. I think the heels will go over, and I think that it's going to happen exactly how you said it. Naomi's going to be getting beaten down in the ring. Becky Lynch is going to be down outside. Naomi's going to go for the hot tag to Charlotte. Charlotte's going to pull her hand away, walk out, leave, and Naomi will get pinned by Natalya. Yeah, that's the expectation. Or tap out to the sharpshooter. I want to shout out to Asad Weaver, one of our listeners at Mr. Weaver 83. He sent a DM question that hit the cutting room floor and it was essentially, is this just a setup for Charlotte to turn on the faces, which you guys mentioned, yeah. but then spin off the welcoming committee into her own female four horsewomen? Right. So then you have, so then you have four women versus two on the entire show. Like there's not enough women. It just doesn't make sense. I just want to see uh, Ellsworth in the J.J. Dillon role, personally. But, that would, that wouldn't be bad. But he, but then, like, then you need if it's let's say they do that, and it's not the, the worst idea to do that. The four horsemen would actually kind of like that idea. Who's the face that's going to go up against them? Naomi's the obvious answer, but I don't know that Naomi's got the star power to really to be in that role. I think what you do then is. And they, they're not going to do this. This is fantasy booking is you trade Naomi for Sasha Banks and have Sasha Correct. Banks be the lead face on the SmackDown women's side and have Sasha Banks be the front woman against Charlotte. That's what you do. Obviously, it's not going to happen, but that's what I would do. I do wonder if one day, if we do see Rousey in WWE, if we do see that her own force, four horsewomen gimmick, cause that's what she called her and her three MMA training partners. One of those three is Shayna Baszler, the, the longtime veteran MMA fighter who is now an indie wrestler. And another one of those three, and, and I forgot her name at the moment, but she's engaged to Roderick Strong and was part of part two of that NXT package. It looks like she potentially could be training. Who knows? Maybe we see that. I don't know if I really care it, yet. Let's it would just be, slide on. it would be cool if they brought it over, but I don't know that you can do another horse, men, women, stable, whatever, without Charlotte. Absolutely. Let's move on to matches that matter. The SmackDown Live Tag Team Championship match. The Usos will defend against Brizongo. Guys, it, it gives you the feeling like it could be just to stay busy, move the chains, give Brizongo their time to sort of step up to a higher level, spread out their gimmick a little bit more. But guess what happened when they did that to Heath Slater and Rhino? They got over probably more than WWE creative expected them to. I think there's Brizongo potential to get over more than the company expects to where you may want to put the belts on him. I know that's crazy, and the Uso heels have been looking so good. Okay, let's not say put the belts on. Is this the beginning of at least a longer feud that goes beyond more than one match? Brizongo is getting over. They're doing a good job. They're not winning this match. This is not a long-term feud. The Usos are better than them. Brizongo doesn't even have a finisher. Um, No, not for me. Uh, I think Usos easy win. Brizongo doesn't need the win. The Usos need the win. Brizongo will be over next week, even if they lose coming up on Sunday. If Brizongo goes over, the Usos gimmick is dead. They right? really because, hurts them. Because they're these, these braggadocious heels, right? So if they lose to Brizongo, they can't come out on SmackDown and do their normal shtick. The crowd's not going to buy it. 
So this flies in the face, sort of, of what I said a couple weeks ago when I said Brizongo needs to run with the belts. After watching the Usos the last couple weeks, I'm now convinced that the Usos need to have these belts for a little bit longer. Usos go over. You do another Fashion Files on Tuesday. Brizongo will still be over, and the Usos will go over. This is an easy booking decision. Usos retain the belts. Yeah, fair enough in the way you sum that up. And the Usos are just coming off those matches against American Alpha. Two in a row on SmackDown that were, like, pay-per-view, four-and-a-half-star quality. We know the Elephants in the room are the fact that the New Day still haven't come back from WrestleMania. Are we nursing an injury? Are we on a six-week vacation? What's going on yeah, it's, here? It's the Kofi ankle injury until yeah. he's ready to go. No, they're back Tuesday. I think they're back Tuesday. Oh, no, they're going to – really? You think they'll I be think back? So. I, I don't think they'll be back for another month, by wow. per, my personal prediction. All right, I like the Could Usos wrong, here. I like everything I we said, guys. The artist no. still currently no, known – No, don't call him that. No, don't call him the artist. No. He's, he's, He's been here for years. Shinsuke Nakamura will make his in-ring debut on the SmackDown, on the main roster brand against Dolph Ziggler. Guys, I have high expectations for this because WWE has committed to not showing us Shinsuke in the ring. They're putting more pressure on themselves to deliver on how they present Shinsuke. I talked about this in a, in a video last week with you, Nick. I want to see violence. I want to see the strong style, stiff MMA style. Ziggler can sell as good as any top-level performer. I think that there's hidden potential here for this to be a, a gigantic announcement of, of how good Shinsuke can be on the roster or – it also could be a headache and if they don't do it right. This is not hyperbole, what I'm about to say. This match will make or break the pay-per-view coming up on Sunday because on paper, this is not a good card. So this pay-per-view could be bad if this match is bad. With that being said, there is no reason, not one reason why this match should be bad. Give them 20, 25 minutes. Let them tell a story. Maybe introduce some color into it, Bry, right? Oh, right? come on. Yeah, have Nakamura just, have bust blade. open Ziggler. Give me, a, give me a ketchup packet. Give me something, right? Put Nakamura over. He needs to go over this match strong over Ziggler and let them just go out there and tell that story. If they go out there and they do their thing, and again, there's no reason why that shouldn't happen, I think this could end up being a pretty good pay-per-view. This could end up saving and delivering the show. So Nakamura obviously has to win the match. So I would love if Dolph Ziggler won the match. He's not going to. I would love it. Nakamura is going to win the match. He's going to look dominant doing so at, at, at the tail end of it. It's, I hope it does go 20 minutes like Nick said. But what I want to talk about is how Dolph Ziggler has been a mini Paul Heyman and sold the hell out of this match on his own for the last three weeks. It's a good point. He's, he's been great. He's doing an absolutely tremendous job selling a match against someone that no one that only watches the main roster has seen. Everything he said is accurate and true in terms of, let's see Shinsuke Nakamura's WWE main roster highlights. Oh, there are none. Um, and let's see mine. Oh, I've been a, a champion. I've won the Intercontinental title five times, etc. So Dolph Ziggler is proving once again what I've said about him for so long. He is a main event talent in the ring, on the mic, overall persona. I don't know why they don't do more with him, but I am very happy that they put him in this first initial feud with Shinsuke Nakamura. I'm excited for the match. And Nick's right. This card is terrible. There are three matches. There's basically a triple main event, this one and the next two that we're going to talk about. And this one really needs to stand out. But one thing I picked up on, I don't know if you guys did, two weeks ago on SmackDown, or last week on SmackDown, essentially, when when Shinsuke came out, guys, he looked much more, much fuller in the chest and in the abs and in the shoulders than we'd seen him. He sort of had an interesting body where he's thin and athletic, but almost flabby. There's, no, I mean, he kind of looks like Michael Jackson in, in this weird way, maybe maybe bloated toward the end, Michael Jackson, or maybe what, I don't know what I'm talking what about. My point skin, on like, this what do you mean? is yeah. I think his absence... 
had more to do with Vince saying, uh, hey, pal, you know, you got to get in the weight room if you want to be a main event push than anything else than preserving him for a pay-per-view. True or false on that? Certainly within the realm of possibility. I mean, Vince. that is a very Vince McMahon thing. I will say I did not notice body changes. I did notice changes to his entrance, though. All right. They, they toned it down a bit. All I know is they did not give us NXT Shinsuke outside the ring. They need to give us NXT Shinsuke in the ring on Saturday for Sunday for it to really matter. I like Shinsuke going over. I like this feud. To, I, I like Ziggler playing the Jericho role, playing the veteran. AJ's here. I got to put AJ over, even though, you know what I mean? I like that. I like that. I like everything about where this, what this could be. U.S. Championship, guys. Kevin Owens versus AJ Styles. This is the real main event. All right. We know this. Everybody knows this. My only question as we enter this is how long? How long are we going to be in this feud? Because you think one of these two needs to be on the title level, on the main title level, sooner than later, right? Yes, and it needs to be AJ Styles. Owens has got this run with the U.S. Championship. He's doing the Face of America gimmick. It makes no sense for AJ Styles to win this match. I also don't think it makes sense for Kevin Owens to win the match clean. So I do think that there's quite a bit of intrigue here as to how the finish of this match is going to be booked. Is someone going to interfere and cost AJ Styles the match? How is this going to go down? So I think there's actually more intrigue here with the finish of this match than there is with the rest of the card here. But I think one thing is probably certain. I know probably and certain don't necessarily go together. But Kevin Owens should leave payback with backlash, excuse me, with the United States Championship because they built this whole thing around him. It would make no sense to take the belt off. Yeah, yeah, he's completely right. There's no way that you continue the paths of Owens and Styles with Styles having the title and Owens going, you know, for up to the main event against Orton or, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, either you also go back to the thing of you can't change titles every every three weeks. Like that's a big problem for me. So they just did it with Jericho. I think Owens retains this title, um, and I agree. I, I hope it's a clean finish, but I hope there's something underhanded that happens. So Owens then does I something. Hope that it's not a clean. Finish. Oh well, no. Owens does something with the referee's back turned. I mean, not an interference, not something like that. I hope at least there's a finish in the ring with those two and no one else interfering and being involved in the match. That that's what I'm hoping. I thought it was a weak built lead in when AJ gets gets pinned by Jinder Mahal, even though there was obvious cheating. What he got he got kicked in the knee, and then he's suddenly going to go down to that Cobra Cut slam. Yeah, I that match that sucked. You're, which you not how bad Jinder sucks. You're not doing good things with with AJ right now. I kind of have. I mean, they could put forth the match of the night, and they should put forth the match of the night. But I have doubts that the storyline will make a lot of sense. So I'm excited for this one. It should be the main event, but I'm equally a little bit nervous on how it plays out. I like Kevin Owens to go over for all the reasons you guys said, but it will be interesting to see. WWE Championship though is Randy Orton in the main, in what we assume to be the main event, even though it's been Shinsuke on the poster against Jinder Mahal. Uh, this week, guys, on SmackDown, I think Jinder gave you equal good and bad, equal highs well, and good. lows. And when you take the, the average good. of that, it's average. And that's who he is. He's an average performer. So it was essentially par for the course for me. What it didn't give me was a strong feeling heading in there. I mean, I thought that his best work on Monday, I thought, came at the end when, when he, when he, you know, when he took over on Randy. I didn't really like his talking smack segment. I guess I'm just not enthused where I was off the start. I have no expectations for this match. Eh, you know, what are I, you guys think? I don't know how you see good uh, from Tuesday. I saw nothing good. I saw a guy who 
can't. Well, he didn't flub his lines this he, time. He which I guess is the only positive. He didn't flub his lines, but he also held the microphone a mile from his face. He doesn't know how to speak into the mic. He doesn't know when he was screaming at the top of his lungs and really, really passionate and angry, and you could see the veins popping out of his head. He was doing a good job. The line, he was flubbing his lines, but he was doing a good job. Now he's like whispering on the mic. There's no reason to be intimidated by him. The Singh brothers are basically gnats at this point. They're even worse than J and J security. There is no. I'm, I'm saying this right now. They may put the title on gender. They won't. They may. I don't think it's going to happen, but they may. But it would be the worst decision that WWE could possibly make. He is so not ready for the main event picture, let alone to hold a title. It's just it gets more blaringly obvious, blatantly obvious. With each passing week. The first week, he won the number one contendership. It's like, okay, maybe there has something here. I know, Brian, you popped for that. Nick kind of bought I in. I know, I did. I liked Nick, it. When Nick the first bought minute. in for it. And then week two, it was okay, but it's progressively gotten worse every week since. Even as he picks up wins in the ring over legitimate performers, which is just mind-boggling to me as well. Randy Orton needs to retain this. I would book him to retain it. I would immediately send Gender to the mid-card. Let him feud with Styles or or Shinsuke no, or, later. or no. he's yeah. I don't yeah. know Th- throw him somewhere else but this is this was a mistake by WWE and I don't ever want to see it again. Uh, here's the problem with Jinder he can't talk and he can't work. Other than that the guy's great. No, I mean, seriously, no. he can't talk and he can't work. And here's the biggest indictment on Jinder Mahal: AJ Styles couldn't have a good match with him. Correct. It was that, the, I know that's the best. The best. I have never wrestled a match before. I'm confident that AJ Styles could coax a good match at him. Brian, now I think that you're off base when you said it, but the match was good. He coaxed. Oh, a great match at a Shane McMahon at WrestleMania. I don't think it's the match of the year that you thought it was, but it was a damn good match. It was great. Jinder sucks, right? And the no, crowd not. doesn't – he gets no heat. He's Look, insignificant. The guy is bad. The point you made is that AJ couldn't pull a match, a great match out of him. Their timing was awful. And the the only reason why I said there no, were highs and lows – Don't say their because timing was awful. Jinder's timing was awful. Yes. It's not I, I thought the only reason why it was highs and lows was I, I thought that he recovered decently to end the show. They put him over strong. He stood over with the belt high. The, you know, the Bollywood guys behind him, whatever. But it doesn't come down to how well he looks, guys, because as much as, you know, okay, yeah, they're rewarding him for hard work. This is a financial decision, you would think, to test the, the market Certainly. in India to whatever they're trying to do. So the idea of does he go over or not, I think comes down to how well their metrics are or what their plans are to launch something in India where they would want him to have the belt. So if he's an Iron Sheik-like transitional champion to get the belt back on AJ, although, you know, you know, maybe to protect Randy so he doesn't have to go over against, go down against AJ, however you want to look at it, I think there's a, a decent chance he wins the belt here because it's not like Randy needed the belt when he beat Bray. It's not like that made any sense. It's not like Randy needs the belt moving forward. I think there's a stronger chance than not that Jinder actually wins this. Oh, <laughs> I don't even know how to, like, if you want to get into the Indian market, good for you. Find an Indian or someone who, you know, is of that similar heritage that is actually good in the ring, good on the mic and can do this. Don't force it with Jinder Mahal. He's not, I understand the comparison of a transitional champion to the Iron Sheik. This guy is not the Iron Sheik. There's nothing even outside of having a, a, a finisher that is partially a Cobra Clutch. There's nothing about him like the Iron Sheik. He's not good. And you may be right that there's a better than not chance that he wins, but it's the wrong decision. And and I think that this is symptomatic of a larger issue on SmackDown. And this is a fire take that I'm tossing out here at the end of the show. I don't love Randy Orton as the top guy on SmackDown. Definitely not. No, and, no. And I'll t- I'll tell you why. He's not John Cena in the sense that. 
Like, if you had Cena face Jinder Mahal, the match would not be good. But it would be over because Cena's more over. The Orton-Jinder Mahal match is going to be bad. Because Jinder's bad and Orton's not good enough to get a good match out of Jinder Mahal. Why do I say that with confidence? Because AJ Styles couldn't get a good match out of Jinder Mahal. And Randy Orton on his best day is not as good as AJ Styles. Randy Orton is not the guy to pull great matches out of people like Bray Wyatt and Jinder Mahal. I also think, and this is not a revolutionary take, that Randy Orton is a much better heel than he is a face. So I think that they're really, really misusing Orton at this point. What I would really like to see, turn Randy Orton heel after he goes over Jinder. I don't know how the hell you do it. It really doesn't make a difference. It's not that hard. And you have your built-in summer program correct, and your SummerSlam SmackDown main event is heel Randy Orton against face AJ Styles. That's something we can all get behind here. But again... The reason why that's brilliant is because you you summed it up. Randy's... Ceiling is he's one of the best B-sides of his era, but he's not an A-side. Unless he's a heel, in which he can be an A-side. He's still a B-side. still a B-side with whatever face you're going to put him in there because he can't elevate a segment by talking. He can't carry a segment by talking. He could live up to the part he needs to play as the B-side, but he can't carry a segment. That's why he he has – there have been no dialogue segments between him and Jinder for right – you know, rightfully so, right? Well, well, yeah, because Ginger can't speak, and and Orton's not the best talker. I mean, he's good, so like it would expose both of them. But I will disagree um, on the B side Orton comment, and the one run that I'll go back to, um, leading up to WrestleMania 25, and that match was a disaster. The main event against Triple H and send out there to die a slow death after Michaels Taker won, which is in my opinion the greatest wrestling match of all time. So that match was going to fail. But Orton's heel work leading up to that. Remember when he punted Vince McMahon when he had the legacy behind him? Randy Orton was a bona fide top level heel. They could do that but again. He's still with Randy the B Orton. in that. He's the B in that feud, though. It'd be in that feud with Triple H, but I, I, only because it was booked that way. To me, Orton was the biggest yeah, star than or, Triple H. Orton was really, Orton really stood out at that time. I totally agree. So, what you do with Orton is you turn him heel, you put him with AJ Styles, and you have a five-star summer feud. But, but this is not working right now with Randy Orton as the face champion on SmackDown. It's not working. Not just the face champion on SmackDown, the face of SmackDown, because your WWE champion is the lead of your show, and they have at least five or six other guys that can do it better than him right now. And that's, like you said, it's nothing against Randy Orton. And two Orton. guys on on the show who are fighting in fighting each other. pay-per-view in Styles and Owens. You, you can make an argument that they could have found some way to put the title on Mahal and had Orton go after it for some America-type deal and had uh, AJ Styles and Kevin Owens fight for the WWE Championship on the same show, reverse the roles, basically, and you're talking about a much better card just based on that. Yeah, you just proved that they have no idea what they're doing. You just summed it up. Right? Yeah. They, they, they really don't. We'll see at Backlash. The only other thing we didn't hit this week, guys, was was Miz and Ambrose had a had what I thought was a really good Intercontinental title match on Raw. I just thought the smudge ending stunk. That was the only the only big thing we we didn't see. Do you have any care about that rivalry as we no, get out? No, I of actually I actually like the ending to the match because it means you'll get you'll get more out of this. And now the Miz has something that he can go out and talk about that Ambrose had to cheat in order to 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 keep his championship. And that sets up obviously the title can change hands on a disqualification coming up at Extreme Rules. So I think these two guys are pretty good together. I don't think either one is a main event talent, but as far as an Intercontinental title feud, I buy it. So I did not dislike the ending of that match on yeah, Monday. Night. Yeah, I didn't really mind it either. Ambrose isn't necessarily like the smartest guy where he would think 
to stop and not do it. Like you might see John Cena in a similar situation be about to hit someone with a chair, but pull back and say, oh, if I do this, I'll get disqualified. Ambrose isn't that smart. He's reactionary. Um, he's passionate. So I think that played out nicely. Uh, the kick, I thought, missed its mark. I think he hit him in the thigh, so that was kind of weird. But uh, outside of that, no. Did I, you want him to actually get kicked in the nuts? Well, or? I wanted it to look believable. I mean, that, that's always the goal. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I, I didn't hate it. Yeah, I love how you called Ambrose passionate instead of just calling him a knucklehead. But <laughs> sure. hey, that's the week that was in WWE. Get out there, subscribe, rate, review, listen to our MMA podcast this week, recapping UFC 211. Guys, before we give him the two words, any any parting shots? Um, yeah, uh, Roman Reigns start to recognize now because he's going to keep getting pushed, and I feel like after three consecutive WrestleMania made events, people should have caught on to that, but they still don't. But as time wanes on here. You are going to realize, like everybody did with John Cena, that the guy's the biggest star in the company because when he's out there, he will get heat, nuclear heat, no matter who he's uh, They already realized that. I don't think they do. I don't think they do. My parting shot's the same. Do something with Dolph Ziggler after this Nakamura. If you don't waste the really good mic work and really good build uh, that you got from someone like Ziggler here and just say, oh, he's go- we know he's going to job again, so let him job, but don't let him just disappear. Put him in a title picture. It can be the U.S. title picture uh, against Owens. Do something with Dolph Ziggler and make him relevant again on SmackDown. And Alexa Bliss, call me. On Twitter, we're at B Campbell CBS at Silverstein Adam at the Costos. Hashtag in this corner. Slide on in. Send us your questions. We got two words for you. We out.